Wake up, wake up, Edinburgh and beyond. It's game day, ladies and gentlemen, here in the borough. Welcome to tuning in to another edition of the Morning After here. I am Tyler Trumbauer with you Monday through Friday here on Fighting Scots Radio, joined by the man, the myth, the legend around here, the big-time boss, the man that makes the other the others crumble and shake in their boots, the man, the man every girl wants and every guy wants to be. Michael J. Fenner, right? It's Jay, right? It is. It is Jay. You nailed it. Thank you. Thank you. Meg Fenner is in the building, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. My my former uh, co-host um, until he hit the big time. So, Mr. Fenner, thank you for joining us here on our small talk radio show the morning after. Thank you for having me, and what an introduction. No problem. Hey, you know, I try to, I try to, to treat guests well. That's, that's, you know, my mom taught me well. Yeah, aim to please, and uh, you, you got it. Thank you, thank you. So, obviously, Fenner is here, ladies and gentlemen, as it is game day for Borough football at last. Spring camp, training camp, as all behind us, it's here. We're actually going to hit someone else from another team for once, and it's going to count. And it is going to be great, and I'm going to be there, and other people are hopefully going to be there, and hopefully there's going to be a win for Borough football. Of course, we've been talking about it all week. It is the season opener for the Fighting Scots of Edinburgh against the St. Joseph's of Indiana Pumas. The first ever meeting between these two squads will be tonight at 6 p.m. at Sox Harrison Stadium to kick off the 2015 campaign for your Fighting Scots football squad. And we got a loaded show for you fine folks here this morning. I'm pumped up. I keep hitting the table. I'm just so excited. (laughs) I mean, Mike and I were texting yesterday about how excited we were about this, about just today in general. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, we're pumped up uh, just because we have no lives and we eat, live, and breathe this kind of stuff. But, you know, we also get get some kind of compensation for that as well, so we kind of have to. Um, But, I mean, he's ready. He's dehydrated. He's brought a gallon jug of water with him. That's how excited he knew he was going to be talking a lot, getting himself fired up. But, anyway, we're going to hear from Coach Browning today. We're going to hear from uh, senior defensive player, Mike Shansky, and hopefully as of right now, the plan is that the former offensive coordinator, uh, Vinny Marino, the man who we hired in March and left by June for Boston College to head back to where he came from, for from Edinburgh, uh, will be joining us at 9.45, hopefully, so that should be a very interesting interview to get his take, uh, kind of, an I guess, now an outsider's take, once an insider, outsider's take on Borough football, yeah. as we're just hours away from opening kickoff. All right, Mr. Fenner, so I'm going to... I'm going to uh, let it open to you a little bit. Um, we, I've talked about Borough football almost every day this week in, in brief little segments um, with uh, Tubby and Chewy, um, but obviously this being your first time in the morning after um, and your first time really able on the airwaves to, to talk about this. So give me your opening remarks on Borough football. You, you know, are here in the summer. You were at PSAC Media Day covering it for us. You just poured through the game notes probably 100,000 times Ruins two highlighters doing so. Um, we talked to Coach Browning and Shansky the other day. What are your opening remarks, thoughts about the 2015 Borough football squad? It's going to be a young football team. Uh, there's no question about that. It's really going to be a young football team. There's going to be 38 true freshmen, 10 redshirt freshmen. Uh, that's almost or that's over half your roster uh, with true or redshirt freshmen with the 90-man team. Uh, it's going to be a young football team, but I think they feel very optimistic about the freshman class that they have coming in. Uh, And there's going to be some guys that are going to get some run right away. And you're going to see some guys get some experience tonight and within this first month. And I think one of the most fun things about a football season is watching a team grow and watching individuals grow. Uh, We saw that with some specific cases. I think Colby Hughes last year uh, was one of those cases at wide receiver. I mean, you saw such growth out of him from game one and game two 
down to game seven and eight. I mean, you, you see so much progression there. And I think that's one of the most exciting things this staff uh, has to talk about is the young football team that they have in front of them. And it's going to look a lot different tonight than I think it will in October. Certainly. Uh, you mentioned the youthfulness. 38 freshmen on this squad um, tonight, so it'll be it'll be a, a youthful bunch. Uh, I think we were saying the same thing last year, but there were a little bit more uh, experience, a little a little uh, more people there that have been uh, in these type of situations before. But no, um, now really youthfulness through and through this uh, team. Just and you know that's and there's there's just so much so many question marks, Mike. Uh, one thing that I've always been asked is, what do you think about this season? You know, who, who what do you think coming off last year? Obviously, three and eight, three straight losing seasons. Uh, the PSAC picks them second to last in the Western Division this year. Um, so we know what the coaches think in that regard. But I mean, p- people ask me, what do I think? And I'm like, honestly, if this team goes three and eight again, I wouldn't be surprised. Or if they go eight and three, I wouldn't be surprised. There's just so much uncertainty that is good because it's creating a lot of optimism for this squad, but it's also kind of bad because you don't know what you're going to get when you kick the ball off tonight at 6 o'clock. You're exactly right. I mean, with the exception of one start at quarterback, you've got a brand-new guy under center. Uh, the backfield is completely, you know, the, the the board has been wiped clean. There's a completely new backfield. Mm-hmm. Uh, the line is relatively the same as last year, but they're going to try and shuffle it around. Uh, on defense, you've got some suspects from last year that that can make plays, but you've got a lot of new faces as well. And it's evident in the two deep that was released earlier this week, uh, first two deep of the season, that there are going to be a lot of new playmakers, on, especially on the defensive side of the ball. So it's going to be, you're right, a lot of questions to be answered here and a lot of variables that uh, you know people don't really know about yet. Right, every position. I mean, you mentioned the two deep, and I have it up in front of me now. And I mean, even you can go everywhere from quarterback to running back to receiver, to uh, the secondary, to even the special teams. I mean, there's a new place kicker. There's going to be a new punter. I mean, everything, everything is just new with this squad. And it's, it's I mean, I'm excited. I mean, because, you know, it's obviously better than, than going in. You know, they say insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. So hopefully, we know head coach Scott Browning and company aren't insane, number one, because they're not doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. Um, I mean, we talked earlier this week with Tubby, and he, he even sensed a different you know, type of optimism around this squad. And, I mean, he hasn't followed it as much as you and I have, obviously, Mr. Fenner. But, I mean, just being on campus, being in class with, with players, they got, this, they got a different attitude about it, and, and it's, it's a positive one. And, um, I mean, obviously, now it's, it's easy because everyone's 0-0 zero and zero right now. You're, you're all 500. Uh, you all got winning records, or I should say you're not lo- have losing records. Um, so that's obviously a good thing. And, um, but, I mean, they got, a, they got a, an interesting season ahead. Luckily, it's an easier start. I mean, I, last year was a tough start for any squad. But just imagine if you had that same schedule last year, you do this year with this youthful bunch. Imagine if you had to hit the road that many times, go down to Tennessee, come back that night, go to Shippensburg, do all those things right in the beginning on, 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 top of the, on top of learning on the go. And really, for a lot of these guys, going to college for the first time or only your second year. That'd be, that'd be very troublesome, I think, for the squad. Exactly. Think about it. A year ago today, you and I, the entire team, the coaching staff, we're waking up in Jefferson City, Tennessee, after a long haul of a Wednesday, <sighs> 10 or 11 day. hours in a, in, a, in a bus. And, you know, it's totally different. You're right. It's only the second week of college for those 38 true freshmen and for these young guys. And it's their first football game. They get to wake up in their own beds and they get to go play at home tonight in front of an excited crowd that we're sure to see later on. Yeah, uh, that was an interesting morning in Best Western. I remember the receptionist was a very nice lady. 
<laughs> um, but yeah, uh, hopefully a big, uh, big uh, crowd tonight. Uh, they've they've t- pumped it out like no other. Um, that's one thing head coach Scott Browning mentioned, um, and we'll hear from him a little bit later, as I mentioned, about uh, tonight is the is the Fighting Scots kickoff event that's going on tonight. Uh, Van Houten serving dinner from 4.30 to 5.45 at Sox Harrison Stadium at the tennis courts adjacent there. An Apple iWatch up for a winner at the end of the third quarter. Cornhole contest, uh, free throw shooting contest, a $200 bookstore gift card coming up for grabs. All that good stuff um, going on at the stadium tonight. So make sure you're there. Come for the free food. And uh, stay for football, obviously, because it's going to be one heck of a game. And, of course, you can hear it all on WFSE 88.9 and watch it all on ETV and our online streams as well, Mr. Fenner. So just, you know, there's there's obviously um, glaring storylines here. So let's kind of just go. I mean, we've touched on the newness of this of this team. So let's let's kind of go more in depth here, maybe position by position. You did a nice uh, position by position breakdown, which, you know, is on your website, mikefenner.wordpress.com, and also some of them have found their way on the edinburgh.com. So check that out as well as as well as um, all of our fall season previews as the first adi- issue of The Spectator drops today, and all those articles are on edinburgh.com, the new online hub for Edinburgh Campus Media. But just look at this too deep. Um, talk about some players of interest, some some names you feel that, you know, no one's probably ever heard about before, and uh, they're going to be quite familiar with, you know, maybe even as early as halftime tonight. I think one of the names that sticks out to me, a guy that we heard a lot about even last year uh, and coming into this season, is at the wide receiver spot, Alex Caratelli. Uh, I think this guy's going to bring a lot of excitement. There's a lot of anticipation to see him hit the field in the red and black with a new black, uniform yes. tonight uh, for Edinburgh. But he's a Robert Morris transfer at six, uh, excuse me. Caratelli, 6'2", redshirt sophomore, so he's got a couple of years to play. Uh, Didn't do a whole lot coming uh, from Robert Morris statistically, but I think this guy could have a lot of impact. They were really talking about him, I remember, last year at Media Day in August and uh, did not get the waiver from the NCAA, so he could not play last year, had to sit out, was able to practice. But even through practice, these guys were talking a lot about Caratelli. I'm anxious to see what he can do tonight because with the loss of Colby Hughes at wide receiver, not returning to the football team after a great freshman year, breaking freshman receiving records, they're going to need someone to step in and accompany Darren Massey in really posing a great threat out wide. Yeah, and I mean, like you said, he did get a lot of uh, – there's high anticipation about Caratelli coming in. Obviously, uh, Division One player Robert Morris uh, coming back here to Edinburgh. So he got that year to learn under the system. Obviously, the system has changed a little bit from the Mike Miller era to the, to the now Wanson era, if you will. Um, but another player in that, in that receiving core is Connor Hollenbeck. I mean, he's listed as, as a top guy um, for X on the, on the two deep. Um, the X factor, maybe we'll call him Connor Holland. Sure, uh, six foot six, two twenty six, redshirt junior. Um, he, you know, he had moments. He wasn't a consistent contributor in in the receiving core, but I mean, he had moments. I mean, he had games where you know he was a major factor, and other times he maybe was shut down and only had three or four targets. But I mean, you know, with the with the uh, little amount of time that Cody Harris was given in the, in in the in the pocket, uh, you couldn't really expect him to be you know dropping bombs and dimes multiple times a game, but I mean, I feel Connor Hollenbeck could could do some damage. Um, obviously, I think he's going to have a height advantage on almost every defensive back. Um, if not, it's going to be a, a inch-by-inch uh, comparison, so he's really not going to be outshadowed by anybody. So, I, I mean, I don't know how you feel, but I feel Connor Hollenbeck is, is another name that, that really could um, complement Massey and then just go together with a trio with Caratelli. 
Like you said, 6'6", that's an ideal frame, and the guy can move as well. Hollenbeck really came to play, I feel, in that second win for Edinburgh last year. I mean, not even I feel. It's just what he did. Statistics. Statistics, yeah. yeah it's simple. Six catches, 73 yards, and a critical touchdown in a 31-27 win over Seton Hill. You could see it that afternoon. He came to play, and he showed you that glimpse of what he really could bring on a consistent day-in and day-out, week-in and week-out basis. Yeah, and, I mean, don't forget about uh, – the tight end Nick Helmick as well, uh, the junior. He's six foot four. Uh, had is a decent blocker, but catches the ball extremely well too. Unfortunately, he just didn't get a lot of looks. I feel him up the seam is a very viable target for uh, Jake Sisson. And you know he had two touchdowns in that opening game. And Carson Newman talking about waking up in Jefferson City. And after that, where'd he go? You know, right. what I mean, I feel that maybe you know offensively they tried to. They, they kept him on the line more just to get another blocker in there because you needed all hands on deck most games to try to keep the defense, the defense out of our backfield most, most Saturday afternoons. So, but Helmick is definitely a viable receiver if he's able to get open, if the plays are run his, for him like that. So we'll have to see if he can do that as well. And think about this, Tyler. Season opening games are where Nick Helmick thrives. Not only did he have two touchdown catches against Carson Newman last year, but two years ago against Walsh, at the site of the Pro Football Hall of Fame in okay. Canton, Ohio, he also had a touchdown. So maybe a player to watch this evening. I think so. I'll see if I'll add him to my list before tonight's broadcast, Nick Helmick. <laughs> um, so that should be interesting as well. I mean, the man likes to start off strong, hot out of the gate. Um, so we're hot, of the, hot, hot out of the gate as well starting off today as we're going to hit our first break here in the morning after a little good personnel breakdown for Edinburgh. We'll talk about the tailback and the quarterback real quick before we head and listen to uh, senior defensive player Mike Shansky. So don't go anywhere. All of that and more coming up on the morning after. Welcome back to the morning after here. It is 9-19 on WFSE 88.9 Fighting Scots Radio. I'd like to thank you all for tuning in here on 88.9 online at edinburghnow.com or also on the TuneIn app on your mobile device. We're just everywhere, so thank you all for tuning in. And don't forget, we also podcast this bad boy on SoundCloud, which will be up on edinburghnow.com. Hopefully, the last two days haven't made it on there. I don't have control over that at the moment, um, but... Eventually, I will. So you can all, but I'll, it'll be out on our social media. I put it on my own SoundCloud because I have I have control of that, Fenner. I don't have complete control of everything. I'm not the general manager like like you, <laughs> like some people, yeah, like some like some big wigs around here. Upper management, as I like to refer to it, the the, the big wigs, essential personnel. I'm not in that group yet. So two people that are essential personnel for Borough football is uh is uh, Jake Sisson and some tailbacks going on there. So let's talk about that, Fenner. I mean, obviously, let's start with quarterback Jake Sisson. The the um. Quarterback competition, that wasn't, really, for Borough football. Um, it was supposed to be Jake versus John. I mean, I wrote that, a big preview on that for spring camp. It was supposed to I be love that him. headline, by the way. Thank you. <laughs> I really Thank did. You. I mean, I thought, it, I thought it worked well. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's better. It, I'm glad that one of their names wasn't like Bob, because I would have really thrown things for a loop. Um, but So they both got good names uh, for headlines, and obviously John decided to switch it up, uh, you know, and now he went to tight end, might switch another position as well, but it looks like he's being uh, settling in at the tight end position right now, just trying to get some playing time on the gridiron. And Sisson, uh, coming off one start last year and a loss to get to SRU, the, the true sophomore who got to learn under Mike Miller and Cody Harris last year, is going to be the starting guy, at least to start off the season here, as he beat out three freshmen, if you will, for a quarterback competition this year, and uh, he's going to be the man moving forward. It's interesting. You talk to everybody surrounding this program, and they're all speaking the same language here, and that's a good thing. That's very, very 
inspiring if you think, you know, that there's any doubt at this quarterback spot. Everybody's talking about Jake Sisson being the guy. And there's mm-hmm. no there's no hesitance hesitancy. There's no, you know, well, maybe we'll play a couple different guys. No, it's Jake Sisson. It is his team. Like you said, for the moment, you know, in case there's an injury or some inconsistency at that spot. Right. Uh, but it doesn't seem that any of the freshmen were able to overtake him in camp. And Sisson's got to come in confident. I mean, we've talked to Coach Browning. I've talked to different players at the media day uh, last month and also with Coach Watson yesterday in his office. Mm -hmm. Uh, They're all behind him. They're very confident in him, and they believe in what he can bring to this offense. Yeah, I mean, Sisson, I I felt like he was going to be the man, even if if a John and Jake uh, competition continued. Obviously, you have more experience watching Gervin uh, as you were here during his time before he took a hiatus from the borough. Um, I obviously wasn't, as my first year was the hiatus from the borough. So, um, but I mean, I think Sisson is is, is the guy. Um, you know, he's 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 he got a, a year to learn under Cody Harris, which I think is very very valuable uh, for him. I, I think he's got, like you said, the respect from the players. You know, he might just be a sophomore, but even last year. Um, I feel that Coach Browning and, and the play and the team respected Sisson as a quarterback. They thought that, you know, even if, say they didn't have Harris, say he didn't get that sixth-year medical redshirt and was able to come back for another year and have more eligibility, that if they had to go Sisson as a true freshman, they were going to be okay with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, obviously the way that things turned out uh, with, the, with the way the record was, I mean, it would have been just another learning season for Sisson, and maybe he'd even have more of an advantage coming in this year. But I think at six foot two fifteen. He's really bulked up since coming on campus. I remember I met for I first met Sisson at freshman orientation, Mr. Fenner, um, before I bombed a math placement exam, and uh, we talked then. And you know, I I just 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 talking to him as a normal guy, found out he's going to be the, a quarterback for Burrow. I mean, what's the likelihood of that? So I mean, we go back to that, and you know, he was a much skinnier at that time. But I mean, he's had a solid high school career, set a lot of records at Jamestown in, in New York, and now let's see if he can just bring that success as the starting quarterback for Burrow because he's going to get his shot starting tonight at. Six o'clock. I really believe that bad experience, even with that start, is better than no experience. So that right. that'll really help him out. And I think another thing we talked about, the two of us and Coach Browning said uh, on the Scott Sports Show last year, was that I think it really helped him to have young guys around him too. You know, it wasn't just a bunch of seniors and then the freshmen thrown in. And you know, there's not really like I mean, the seniors are going to respect him too. But I think it's easier to have those younger guys that you're throwing to, or you're handing off to, uh, or you're calling the plays with. So I think that was a really big help. Uh, and also, although this really does appear to be Sisson's team for now, I'm going to go ahead and say that if one of the freshmen is to step up and to be the guy, I mean, the two deep does say it now also, but I really do believe this as well. I think uh, Jack Wallman, mm-hmm. I think this is a guy that could really have a great opportunity to play if something is to happen with Sisson or this offense. Uh, Wallman is one of the true freshmen, 6'4". That's ideal prototypical uh, pocket passer size, and I've heard a lot of good things about him within this freshman class, so don't be surprised if he is the number two uh, going forward with something, you know, barring something happening to Sisson. Right, I mean, he's listed, he's listed as the number two starting tonight, and uh, as you mentioned, he probably deserves deserves to keep that um, f- moving forward as well. Um, so moving on, let's go to the tailback position there, uh, Mr. Fenner. Um, a lot of newness there. We got a transfer, and we got a transfer of position. Uh, moving on there, as we got really no one from last year coming back. So this probably has the biggest question mark of any position that we just talked about. You look at the difference between last year and this year. Uh, the leading rusher returning, Ryan Harkness at just 29 yards. Uh, Ouch! 
Only two players on the entire roster have positive rushing yardage coming back from last year, and one of them, Darren Massey, with six yards from his receiver spot. So that is a glaring, glaring hole at the tailback spot. But, you know, like you said, sometimes fresh faces can bring optimism and can bring something different to the table. Uh, the guys you were referring to, Corey Bell is a guy that everyone's been talking about. Uh, he'll wear number five at five foot ten, two 203 pounds. He's a junior uh, transfer coming in and also Jamal Evelard who uh, is a Florida native moves over from the secondary to the backfield uh, so I think with those two guys it's going to be the competition immediately but there are some other names out there as well another bell actually from California University of Pennsylvania they related uh no okay no I've, I've not heard that to be the case with several people well, there's a lot of relations to. on this squad so I just wanted to make sure that's true because I just I, I, I don't know there's four sets of brothers and a set of cousins on this team Keeping it in-house. But no bells. No bells. Two different One bells. One bell. Two, two bells, different bells. Gotcha. That's Robert Bell uh, from Beaver, Pennsylvania, a former Cal Vulcan. Also, Harkness back from last year's team. Nick Barlett also from last year's team. And then Walter Fletcher, uh, a true freshman. So you got a mix of different guys, different styles, but it looks to be Corey Bell who will get the nod first. But really, uh, one of the things that Coach Watson said to me yesterday is, we don't expect to have an 1,800-yard rusher on this team. It's going to be about getting everybody involved and letting different people play to their strengths and do what they do best. So certainly you're going to have your third down situations, your pass protection situations, and different guys will get involved. Right, they definitely will. And, uh, you know, that's that's just a lot of newness with this team. And uh, there's just so much uncertainty that maybe the Pumas won't even know what to expect. Um, we talked about all the newness of this team on the, on, of the offensive unit with a man from the defensive unit, Mike Shansky, um, earlier this week. And, uh, you know, he talked about that. He talked about a lot of other different things going on with the defensive unit as well. So let's take a listen to that as uh, Mike Fenner and I talked with senior defensive player Mike Shansky. Mike, uh, what is your mindset coming into this season now that spring ball is over, training camp is over, and you're just hours, minutes away from that opening kickoff of this season? Uh, it's pretty simple. It's just win. Do whatever we can. Play our football offensively, defensively, special teams. Do the best we can do. Do what we know we can do and just win the game. So now what is it exactly? Is it really trying to get back to Burrow football that Coach kind of alluded to in our last segment, which uh, new coach, uh, Coach Watson, wants to get back to? I mean, I know you're more of the defensive side, but I'm sure you're hearing of what those guys are talking about and what they're, what they're preaching on the field. Yeah, we want to control the ball. You gotta, to control the ball, you got to run the ball and you got to stop the run. You want to keep control of the game clock. Whatever you can do to stop them from running and getting first downs from offense, getting first downs. Keep the ball running and just do what you can do to win the game. What are some of the things, Mike, that you did really personally in the offseason to train and to, and to try and improve yourself coming into your final season with the Scots? Uh, try to work on my conditioning. I leaned down a little bit, lost a little bit of weight. Do what I can do to be on the field as long as I can be and uh, maximize my effort. Uh, just get to the football as quick as I can. And with Coach Bradford, uh, really, what's, you know, what's, what's the scheme coming into the season and, and what's the plan for you guys trying to be such a strong front seven, as Coach Browning talked about, really uh, depending on you guys to really stuff the run and, and really defend the pass as well. Well, we're pretty experienced up front, so we're going to use that to our strengths. We're going to be able to blitz and uh, kind of control the offense with our front seven. We got a young group in the back, so we're going to try to help them out by uh, taking time off the clock and uh, doing what we can do. As a defensive player and a leader on this team, 
uh, one thing that I think kind of plagued you guys last year was the offense and the defense couldn't just put one perfect game together. You know what I mean? The defense couldn't do outstanding and the offense do their part in the same game. And so is that really something you guys are focusing on this year is to say defense needs to get stops and offense needs to put points on the board. It seems like a simple formula, right, yeah. to get wins, but it's just something that they both couldn't get together on the same page last year. Yeah, we can't rely on – we, we got to do it at the same time. we got to play a full game, offense, defense, and special teams. We can't rely on the offense to score 50 points in a game to win a football game. we got to stop them, and they got to score. I mean, we're relying on each other. We're just trying to win a football game. Certainly. And uh, so now hopefully you guys can do that Thursday night uh, against the Pumas. How much uh, preparation have you put into these guys? Obviously, that first week's interesting because you – you kind of know who you're playing for months, yeah. so you can. Is that is that a good thing, a bad thing? How much of thought have you put into the Pumas in St. Joseph's of Indiana? We started out working just our base defense on everybody, just mm -hmm. formations, alignments, all that type of stuff. And this last upcoming week, we've been really focusing on the Pumas. They're a heavy run team. They can pass the ball. They surprise you with some uh, trick plays every once in a while. But uh, I think we're pretty focused in, and we know what they're going to do. What do you expect to see out of that backfield? Uh, of course, they bring back their, the leading rusher in the entire conference uh, for St. Joseph's. I mean, what do you expect to see out of those guys when you're stopping the run? Uh, a lot of heavy run, a lot of outside zone, trying to stretch the field. And uh, for their running backs, they're pretty big. They're trying to get downhill real fast. They're trying to drain the clock and keep us on our heels. They're a fast-paced offense. Very pro style, I think, is the way it's kind of like put in the game notes as a pro style offense. Uh, and they, they can put up some points. I mean, they were held to maybe one touchdown in just one game, but there's been other games that they can put up 40 points. Uh, so they're, you know, they can obviously be contained and they obviously can explode as well. So, what has the message been from Coach Bradford to the defensive unit uh, going into this week and going into the Pumas, knowing that uh, they have the capability to put up a big number? Just uh, get everybody to the ball. They're heavy runners. It's not going to take one guy. It's going to take the whole team. If we don't get the whole team to the ball, they're going to run all over us. Certainly. Um, now, going into this game, obviously offense, uh, defense is both huge aspects, uh, you know, working off each other, as we talked about a few questions ago. So how much, uh, ex how much excitement does the defense have about this new offensive unit of sorts? You know, now that the Harris era is over, that's obviously, you know, different because you not just lost a quarterback, you lost a leader in Cody Harris. So how is that affecting the defense or at all? Uh, it affects us a lot. But uh, I like the Jake says, and he's doing real well. Our offense is a little bit different this year. It's going to surprise some people. It's a lot faster. Uh, we don't give up as many sacks as we did last year just by our alignment and the release time we have. Mm -hmm. Routes are quicker. Ball's getting out quicker. It's just going to make everything overall better. Back to the defensive side of the ball, who are some playmakers that people should be looking out for? Maybe some guys that you know, are coming into this fall camp and really performing and people that you might, might not have expected to hear their names called too often. Well, there's always Dom. Dom's a, he's a big guy. He's uh, All-American. He makes my job easier, but uh, everybody knows about Dom. We got Josh Kibbe, Jimmy Wilson, Sword and Innie. We got some great guys up front that not too many people know about other than us here on the team. Uh, they make my job easy. They're putting pressure on the quarterback. They're doing great things. And uh, we, got some, we got one veteran back in the uh, defensive backfield, uh, Devon Groves. I think he's going to surprise some people personally. That secondary that was uh, had a lot of question marks last year. Um, sometimes you know there was there's a lot of mental lapses on the field in the secondary. How important is it to solidify that secondary and have uh, you know those those underclassmen 
learn on the go and quickly to be able to secure that, that uh, defensive backfield? It's very important. Uh, we got a lot of young guys back there, but what we lack in experience, we make up for in speed and athleticism. These guys are a lot of new guys coming in. It's going to be hard uh, at first, but mm -hmm. I think we're rolling, and uh, these guys are getting it down pat. What are some goals and expectations that you have for yourself and also for the team overall going into the year? Uh, personally, I'm not a big guy on personal stats, but uh, I just want to win. doesn't matter how, just, just win the game. Just get those, get those wins. You got the two at the end of last year and hopefully uh, two more, uh, or more than two this year and to start off with just one uh, at St. Joseph's of, in or with St. Joseph's of Indiana coming up on Thursday, Mike. So uh, thanks for uh, joining us today and uh, good luck Thursday night and throughout the season and hopefully we'll talk to you soon. Thank you, appreciate it. That was Mike Shansky as well uh, with Fenner and I earlier this week. You can actually see that uh, interview with the video on the Scott Sports Show, which is now up on GoFightingScots.com on their YouTube page. You can check that out right there. Also, another interview uh, Mike Fenner and I did, uh, this one with head coach Scott Browning. We're going to hear about the few, uh, the first maybe five, six minutes of this or so, and then we'll cut out, head to a, head to a break. Hopefully we'll come back with head uh, or former offensive coordinator Vinny Marino, and then you can hear the rest of the Browning one tonight. So here is Mr. Fenner and I with the man, the myth, the legend, Coach Browning. So let's just start off with the off-season uh, training camp, uh, spring camp. We touched a little bit with you guys here on the Scott Sports Show in March. So let's fill in on the off-season in the summer, the training camp, those two-a-days, those hot summer days. I don't know how hot it actually gets in the borough, but how, what was that like? What kind of transpired uh, on the field in the summer months? Yeah, I thought that uh, training camp went extremely well. We avoided injuries. Uh, I think our players left camp with a great understanding of what we would like to do offensively, defensively, as well as special teams. And, uh, you know, I think we've grown together as a football team. I think we're excited. I think we're, like I mentioned before, we're healthy, we're energized. And uh, right now, I would just tell you the biggest thing, our players are ready for that first game. Absolutely. And that first game is uh, going to be a Thursday nighter once again on Thursday nights. Have three of them this this. Uh, this season, you had a couple last season, including your season opener in Tennessee. Uh, kind of take us through what that first day or that first game day is going to be like as a Thursday. How does that alter the day's schedule compared to when it's a Saturday kickoff? Well, you know, we, we, we start uh, pregame meal at 2 o'clock. And uh, so really it all begins then. Hopefully we, we can get our players thinking about the game much sooner than that, though, much earlier. Uh, when you look back historically, we've not had a lot of success on Thursday night. So we're trying to reevaluate everything as we go here. And, and uh, the first game of the season is always difficult to begin with because you're not 100% sure what the other team's going to do strategically, offensively, defensively, special teams, who they may even show up with. And uh, everyone has a new wrinkle. So, you know, we're always on edge. You don't want to be too complex because you want to handle the, the unexpected. And... Uh, so it's, it's uh, up to kickoff time. It's, it's pretty trying time. Every team comes into a season with big question marks. And for you guys, one of the big question marks is a quarterback. It's the end of the Harris era. You exit that era, but you come into a new era here, a four-man race in the offseason. Jake Sisson got snaps last year. What does that really look like in training camp for your football team? Yeah, you know, I, I, I don't want to put the cart ahead of the horse here, but uh, I think we've corrected that situation. Jake Sisson has had a, an incredible spring. And then we come into camp, obviously, hiring a new offensive coordinator, new quarterback receiver coach. And I think that uh, Jake has gotten better every snap he has taken. And uh, I feel very comfortable with Jake right now. He's our front runner. Uh, he's going to be our leader on offense this year. 
And uh, I think that he'll answer a lot of the questions come Thursday night. Now, Sisson uh, is going to have to have someone to throw to this year. Uh, Darren Massey, being a preseason All-American, is going to be his t key target after having a great season a year ago. Uh, Colby Hughes no longer with the program, so there is another missing piece there. In the receiving core, uh, who is Sisson going to be able to target when he hits the field? You know, we're going to have plenty of people out there. We're going to surround Jake with uh, a strong receiving core. We've got uh, Darren Massey, who everyone knows about. Um, We've got a guy by the name of Alex Caratelli, who a lot of, not a lot of people know about at this point in time, but they're going to know about Alex once we get the season kicked off. You've got uh, uh, Sean Rolick, who's a heck of a receiver for us. You've got uh, a couple new guys that I'd just right now rather not mention because I'd want them to step up and earn the right to have their name on TV here. But uh, And then also the tight end position. We've got three tight ends that uh, starting with Nick Helmick, um, who really has had two fine years for us. He's really excelled for us. Uh, Justin uh, Kempka, a transfer from Robert Morse, and then we, uh, there is a freshman, uh, Trey Staunch, who is really coming on uh, with each practice, just gets better and better. So, you know, when you talk about the receiving core, you're not only talking about the wide receivers, but you're also talking about the tight ends. And, and uh, we've got enough weapons that, that uh, we'll be able to throw the football. And one of those guys that could be a big impact on the offense at tight end is John Gervin, the guy that played quarterback for you two years ago. Uh, left the school now has returned and re really what went into that decision for you and for him to play the tight end spot and what do you think he can offer the position well you know john gervin's about 250 pounds he's extremely athletic he's he was a phenomenal basketball player in high school he was recruited as a basketball player he has tremendous eye-hand coordination um, unfortunately for john he's been injured here for the last week week and a half when he comes back he'll be he'll be a threat as well and he'll be part of the the um, the picture as far as throwing a football and playing tight end, but uh, you know he's very athletic. And John, bottom line is, uh, is an extremely hard worker, and he just wants to find a way to help the football program. And right now, we think that that position would be tight end. Absolutely, coach. Uh, so tight end, part of the offense, the offense that has maybe a little bit. Um, of a, another different direction now. Obviously, as you mentioned, we hired a new quarterbacks, receivers coach. Also got another new, uh, that's in Joe Watson, Jack Corey, another uh, coach to come in. He's going to do some tight end, some offensive line stuff, all, all kind of helping the offensive unit. Um, and then with them taking All righty, so we're going to stop right there talking about the new offensive unit for Borough football. Obviously, um, Vinny Marino leaving, new guys coming in. He's on the line. We're going to get him hooked up, so we're going to hit a quick break, come back, and we'll talk to Vinny Marino after this. We're back here on WFSC 88.9 Fighting Scots Radio right here on the morning after. Uh, we rushed to our quick break there as we had to set up our, hopefully what we successfully set up, our first uh, guest of this uh, tremendous program. I'm kidding. That's, I shouldn't use tremendous, Mr. Fenner. But of this program, um, as I mentioned and been teasing earlier on, former uh, Edinburgh offensive coordinator Vinny Marino. Uh, we hope, hopefully is on the line right now um, to talk some Borough football, Boston College, maybe, you know, sum up his, uh, his tenure here at Edinburgh for us right here live on the morning after. So let's see if we got him. Coach, do you hear us? Let's see if we can find Coach Marino here. See if we got him. Coach, do you hear us there? I don't know if we have Coach here. Got to talk to him. Coach, do you hear us? Well, we're, we're, uh, we are having some issues there with Coach Marino right now at the moment. I'm um, trying to get a hold of him here. 
on the morning after, trying to get him on our side. So uh, we'll uh, we'll continue on here, and we'll uh, I'll try to get we'll try to get back on there with Coach Marino. Um, Fenner, you got an interesting tidbit for us, though. We talked all this time about how the Harris era is over, but it's actually not over, right? No, actually, uh, there's still some relation. Uh, in terms of a cousin of both uh, Trevor and Cody Harris, and ironically, at the quarterback position, uh, Ryan Manasi coming in as a quarterback for this Edinburgh roster, actually a uh, a Marion High School, a Marion Pleasant High School uh, graduate, and a true freshman on this roster, a cousin of both Cody and Trevor Harris. Very interesting tidbit. Uh, so even though the Harris era goes from 05 up until this last football season. Uh, I guess technically by name it ends, but still with relation uh, to uh, Manasi, it still continues on as he is a cousin, and maybe he could get into the lineup this year at some point at the quarterback spot or or, uh, or with the years to come. Yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of interesting that, you know, we always are saying, yeah, they're finally moving on, they're going away from the Harris era, but they're just still still hanging on by a thread there. Harris is still have a little a little hand going on in Borough football. All right, so now you know we had to even get Mr. Fenner's boss in here to figure it out because we we uh, I don't know what I'm doing. So let's see if we can get actually now Coach Marino on the line here. Coach, do you have us here right here on the morning after? Doesn't sound like we have him yet. There, continuing on here in the morning after. We tried. Everything seems to be pretty good on our end. Coach, do you hear us? Getting nothing coming through there. Not really sure what's going on there with Coach Marino. We apologize for our technical difficulties there. Yeah. Moving on. Coach, you got hey, Coach. us. Yeah, how are you? There we go. Now we got him on there. Coach, sorry for the delay there, obviously, with us. Um, you know, first time ever, Coach. So uh, you should feel honored to be the first man to get this done. I, I am. I certainly am. <laughs> All righty, Coach. So we appreciate the time getting up us, getting up early for us, you know, squeezing us into your practice schedule up there in Boston College. Um, so now let's just kind of start off with this, get this out of the way chronologically here. Uh, you know, you come into Edinburgh as the offensive coordinator, taking over for Mike Miller around um, late February, early March. And then before you know it, June, you're, you're back to Boston College. Do you want to just kind of sum up that short era here in Edinburgh and maybe give – Give a reasoning for why you headed back to to the Eagles. Yeah, I was actually even shorter than that. I actually didn't start until the first week in April. Uh, spring practice had begun, and I, I came in on the uh, second day of spring practice. So um, it was just a situation for me where um, you know, being a Massachusetts guy uh, and having a chance to kind of get back back here when Coach Adazio had called with the position. Um, I just felt I couldn't turn it down. I you know, the, I, you know, some family things had come up. Uh, my dad had been sick, uh, so uh, I wanted to kind of get back and be able to get, be around him. Um, you know that was just important to me. Um, so that was that was an issue. That was that was really a big part of it. Um, you know, and then the situation here at BC. You know, being in the ACC and a Power Five football conference. I mean, I obviously uh, is obviously very was very enticing as well. Um, and being able to, you know, come here and you know have a big say in recruiting and and that kind of thing is uh, it was just a little bit too enticing. But a, a big part of it was the family family component of it. All right, and obviously now you're back at Boston College as the uh, in the assistant operations and recruiting role up there at BC, Coach. Um, I mean, going on back to Boston College, as you said, a different program um, from Edinburgh. Um, but, I mean, was there, was there anything that you learned during your short time here at Edinburgh that maybe you're going to take with you back to Boston College and maybe change things up than your first stint um, up there? Uh, 
you know, Coach Adazio has got a, you know, got a great program here and, uh, and runs a great program, has great staff. So, I mean, a lot of things here are in place, things that he wants to do. Uh, but there, you know, there are some things we'll tweak or whatever. But I, I really enjoyed my time, even though it was a short, short, short time there. Uh, you know, I think spring was successful. Um, I know one thing we, you know, we tried to do was uh, create an edge, and what was the edge going to be, uh, especially on offense and trying to run the football. Certainly, some talented running backs, and and uh, you know, having having Jake probably a quarterback, being young, you know, try to run the ball and uh, get the ball out to some of the talented wide receivers and tight ends that they have. So uh, that was a big part of it. But uh, from from the BC standpoint, like I said, a lot of things are in place here that coaches have been doing and, and been doing for a long time and doing successfully. So uh, maybe some little tweaks there and there, but nothing major. Uh, Coach Mike Fenner, the play-by-play man for Edinburgh football. Uh, one thing we had heard about was that uh, not only this past offseason with your name uh, kind of being in the mix of the offensive coordinator, but we had heard that your, your name had come up in the past, uh, that you had talked with Coach Browning about this position Really, what was the most appealing thing about uh, joining this football staff? You know, maybe the first time around when you were interested, and then obviously taking the job initially this past spring. Yeah, it, uh, two two years ago when Mike Miller got the job, uh, Coach Browning had offered me an interview, and that was in July. And I had um, I had actually you know was actually had submitted just to take the job at BC. Um, actually, so it was a matter of just of kind of a timing thing, a timing issue. With the first time, I certainly. Um, you know, certainly, like I said, was, was, I, I didn't take the interview just because I had committed, you know, to, to go to BC the first time. So, and the second time for me, it was just a matter of wanting to get back on the field. Um, I, I, I definitely want to get back on the field. That was important to me. Um, and it is now. And I, and I eventually want to get back on the field. Uh, I know that kind of, kind of sounds crazy and probably sounds like I don't know what, what I'm doing, but, um, the, the component of it, the big piece, like I said, as I said earlier in the, in the interview, big piece was the interview, uh, was my, was my family and my father. So from this standpoint, coming back, uh, the second time, I, I definitely won the job. You know, they flew me in. We had Friday practice of spring football. The spring game was on Saturday. I flew in Friday morning, uh, came back Friday night, was here for our spring game, coached off me the job. And, and then, uh, you know, like I said, I accepted it, it was out there on the following Wednesday with spring practice starting that Wednesday. So it was a quick turnaround, but, um, no, I, I certainly, I certainly you know, wanted the job and, uh, uh, just didn't, just wasn't sure, uh, you know, exactly how it was all going to play out. And it played out, you know, where I, where, where I got the job. And, and then unfortunately, like I said, with my dad getting sick, that just kind of, that just played into it. Yeah. With a few minutes left here in the hour coach, uh, let's move into borough football real quickly. Uh, now from an insider, now to an outsider perspective, being able to coach spring camp and work closely with, uh, Jake Sisson and are some of the new tailbacks and Darren Massey and and otherwise um, you know a big phrase they like to say is they're getting back to borough football here in Edinburgh now with uh, the new coaches they have in place and else and else uh, on the staff now we're just hours away from opening kickoff here on Thursday night uh, what is your assessment of the offensive unit for borough um, coming into 2015 well I think I think the two big keys and it's very similar to here at PC, to be honest with you. I think the two big keys are going to be the quarterback play and the offensive line play. I think there are some talented skilled players. You know, Nick Helmick at tight end. You get Darren Massey, receiver. You got those groups. Uh, you know, Alex Car- uh, Caratelli had a tremendous spring for us. Uh, so from a receiver standpoint, the running backs, Corey Bell, Jamal Everett, I mean, those guys are talented kids. They're going to be able to make plays. The big thing is, is uh, you know, what we felt was with Jake being able to being able to protect the football uh, that was that was a key you know can make enough plays I know they, I know they moved now John Gervin 
the tight end. John will be a playmaker. John's a tremendous athlete. Um, so he, you know, he'll be a guy that they need, they need to get the football to. So that gives a nice couple quality tight ends right there. Um, but I, I think, I think it's, I think it's, it, it, it can be a very, uh, I think it can be a very good offense. It can be a very efficient offense. Will it be high scoring? I don't know that it can be. You know, I think that those, you know, that, that all depends on kind of the situation who they're playing. But I think the fact that we had talked about when I got there and what Coach Browning wanted to do is get back to running the football, kind of borrow football and, you know, hit play actions off of the, off of the run game. I think we try to do that. And, uh, the development of the offensive line will be key. And then obviously how well, uh, the quarterback plays will be key. Uh, Coach, final question from me. Uh, now that you're, you're going away from Borough football, now that you're back at Boston College, what are the overall expectations for the Golden Eagles this year? Well, we got uh, you know we'll, we'll, you know we've got a uh, you know obviously tough ACC schedule, so that you know that'll be that'll be tough. But you know, our goal every year is winning season, get to a bowl game. Uh, this year we played two one double A's, so we have to we have to win seven. But uh, our goal will be to have a winning season, get to a, you know get back to a bowl game, which would be our third in a row if we can do it, and. Um, you know, we want to get better every week. We're young uh, in certain spots, so we have to develop as we go. And uh, and if we do that, we'll be we'll be in really good shape. I think we could be a good team, and hopefully, we'll continue to get better week in and week out. And that's what every team wants to do: is just keep getting better. Um, and that's what we'll try to do. And there you go. You'll start it off this Saturday, Coach, with the Boston uh, uh, Eagles, Boston College Eagles, on Saturday, September fifth, one p.m. Um, and that's going to be at home for you guys uh, in Maine. The Black Bears of Maine, come on in. That sounds very ferocious. The the Black Bears of Maine. Uh, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not really sure about that. But um, so they'll be they'll be coming on in your first game for that. Of course, Borough football kicking off tonight. Um, and that's where we thought that was going to be the first game for you, Coach. But obviously, you know, understanding family comes first in every in everything. And obviously, in coaching, you know, uh, you obviously got to move around. That's just part of the job. And you and you knew that coming in. So. But uh, no, I, I I missed it. I woke up this morning saying it was saying it was game day for Edinburgh, and I and I, and I was a little bummed out to be honest with you. I was, uh, you know, like I said, it would be it, it's always it's always great. And like I said, I think that I think there's a lot of tremendous young men on that team, and Coach Browning. It was great to me and the staff, and uh, I really enjoyed my time there. Be it as it was short, but I really enjoyed it. Like I said, people were really really nice people. I think I think the future's bright. You know, I know uh, I know I think it's a fairly young football team, and and the future's uh, future's pretty bright. All right, Coach, we appreciate it, and I appreciated your time back in spring and then, of course, now, and, and really appreciate you coming on this morning for a few minutes and addressing the, uh, the Edinburgh area and just, you know, kind of putting a knot onto uh, your tenure here with the Fighting Scots football team. So we appreciate the time, Coach, and uh, good luck on Saturday and the rest of this season with Boston College. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Go Scots. All righty, Coach. Take care. Thanks, Coach. Right, bye-bye. Alrighty, so there he was, head coach, or excuse me, former offensive coordinator, uh, Vinny Marino, the second time I want to tell, call him that, uh, the right-hand man, really, of head coach Scott Browning, back for his uh, short tenure here with Edinburgh and now with Boston College. Uh, so, very interesting words from him. I mean, you, he mentioned Alex Caratelli, a name that you mentioned too, Mr. Fenner, so maybe that's a guy we really should look out for. Just another guy signing off for a talented wide receiver, really. Yeah, an unbelievable talent. Um, obviously, Marino noticed him, and you know he's and you know he's got a great football mind. As Marino, he's been around football for quite some time, heading back to Boston College. And you know, I heard that it was a family situation um, back going through. I just kind of wanted to hear it from him and uh, and just see exactly what was all transpiring with him. And you know, a lot of, a lot of movements going on. And you know, moving from Boston to Erie is where he was when he was staying here and working here is is quite a uh, is quite a haul, you know. And especially when you have some older family members, you need to worry about family does come first and. Uh, so we we got you can't really fault a guy for that type of uh, line of thinking. You're absolutely right. All righty, Fenner. So your last parting shot here on the morning after before we re-dive into this later on tonight. 
Well, I hate to say it, but looking at the matchup tonight with St. Joe's, I think this is kind of a matchup nightmare in terms of the style of what this Puma team brings versus what Edinburgh is is really not ready for uh, personnel-wise. I really think that this St. Joe's team uh, is a terrific running team. First in their conference in the Great Lakes Valley Conference last year, nearly 250 yards per game and 27 rushing touchdowns, um, due in large part to Braxton Shelton, the conference's leading rusher. Uh, Edinburgh really struggled to defend the run last year, giving up just over 175 yards per game and 20 touchdowns on the ground. Uh, This St. Joe's team has three backs, actually, that average over five yards a carry, and Edinburgh surrenders over four yards a touch as of last year. So I think it's going to be just not a really good matchup for Edinburgh tonight, I hate to say it. It's going to be an interesting one for certain. We really didn't get much to touch on St. Joe's. There was so much newness about Edinburgh. We want to understand ourselves before we start looking at some other teams. We'll touch more on them later on um, tonight as uh, Mike Fenner and myself have the call for you right here on 88.9 Fighting Scots Radio. Um, Also online at edinburghnow.com on the TuneIn app. Also live uh, video on ETV Channel 4 in the area and online at edinburgh.tv. We'll go on maybe about about 540, 5, 30, So tune in then and you can hear us. We'll talk more St. Joe's. Uh, then as well and kick your, get you right into kickoff at 6 o'clock and of course we want you out there at Sox Harrison Stadium most importantly to enjoy the kickoff event so I'd like to thank uh, you know Browning, Shansky and of course Coach Marino for coming on and thanks to you Mr. Fenner you'll be back tomorrow to recap this all right here on the morning after we'll talk to you tonight Borough Football ladies and gentlemen let's get pumped up